Jacob left Beersheba and went to, toward Haram. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set up a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to connect in the ways that we're able to connect now uh, in the midst of uncertainty and in global pandemics uh, that you are still true and that you bring your body together in unique ways. Um, thank you for the opportunities that you give us every day um, to connect with one another, to share uh, your word, to learn uh, as we navigate a new world. Uh, thank you for JP and for the eldership and for the community of Ackland that put forth tons of effort to keep people connected, um, to keep people just reminded of your glory, of your grace, and of the uh, the prominence in the in the promise that you made to us. Uh, that we live through this promise uh, that is made to Jacob, uh, that is made to Isaac, that is made to Abraham. And that we uh, remember that as we feel afraid and we feel um, lost or unsure of what's going to happen. Uh, we know that you are king of all uh, and we trust in you as we trust in your son, Jesus, in whom we pray. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. Today's scripture reading is Psalm 139, verses 1 through 24. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. <clears throat> you hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. 
If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The light will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Praise you! I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame will not uh, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being able to, even though we aren't able to gather together, perhaps we can still commune through technology and we thank you for the means to do that. We thank you for our community here at Ackland and all that it means to us and, and how it continues to shape us and our connections with one another and our connections with you. We thank you for Larry Brown's good news concerning his cancer. We ask that you continue to be with him and be with Shannon. We also ask that you be with Anna in the loss of her uncle Tito, and please be with that family and comfort them. And please be with her family members who have COVID-19 and all those throughout the world who have COVID-19, Father. And help them, help our society, help our government as they try to lead us, and help us to help one another in all that we do. We also ask that you be with those who continue to serve our society, the first responders, the health care givers, the truck drivers, the people who work in processing food and work in factories, and please be with them and their families, and please protect them from this virus, and help us to come together in our communities to try to help one another. We ask that you continue to be with us, and we thank you. Uh, for our community in Ackland, and please keep us strong in you as we continue forward. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.
feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. Good morning, church. Several years ago, a family member had a new baby. And due to distance and life circumstances, I didn't get to see them often. So I eagerly consumed all the pictures they put on Instagram. And let me tell you, those pictures were really cute. Smiling baby, proud older sibling, doting mother, loving father. Several times a week, they posted on Instagram. And I was really happy for them. They were making all these warm memories. And that year, around the holidays, I finally got to see them. And I expected to find what I'd seen on Instagram. I didn't. Mom and Dad had a deep sense of fatigue. Smiles were rare. The older siblings seemed to have little interest in the baby. And the baby herself was really, really fussy. And as I chatted, the mom told me how incredibly challenging the last year had been. And I responded, I'm so sorry to hear that. I just seen you guys on Instagram and everything seemed to be going great. And without missing a beat, she responded, that's Instagram. This is real life. (laughs) This describes the situation of modern life. We have the means to offer a highly curated image, and we have the power to tell our own stories. But we tend to exaggerate, to polish. And when we do, we ratchet up expectations. Because we can, we should, because we should, we will, and when we don't, we fake it. We write in pen, not pencil. Makes it hard to erase, to adjust. And our expectations are out of control, even unrealistic. And for many, the increase in expectations has led to a decrease in life satisfaction. Last month, we Zoomed with Emily and Jason, our missionaries in Tanzania. And eventually, the conversation turned to COVID-19 and how Tanzanians were responding. And this is one thing I remember Jason saying, and this is probably a paraphrase. I don't know if he exactly said it this way, but this was the gist. Tanzanians don't have an expectation of being in control. So they're concerned, but not surprised. And I found that really telling. To be sure, they're not ignoring the very real threat But they don't believe something uniquely unfair has happened to them. They never expected to be in control anyway. What do you expect to happen in life? What are your expectations? Unrealistic expectations can negatively shape your life experience. Consider what it's like to see a new movie with low expectations. Well, you're pleasantly surprised when it's good. You feel like you got a bargain. But consider seeing a movie with high expectations. Everyone you know has been talking about how amazing it is. And when it turns out to be average, maybe even above average, you're disappointed. This is how expectations work. At several key moments in my life, I realized my expectations were out of whack. Often, even now, I look at life in the West and wonder, are these accurate expectations? I reflect on Christian practice in America and wonder if we need to adjust our expectations. And at first instinct, it can feel threatening to adjust our expectations. But I'm convinced healthy expectations lead to more flourishing and more fulfillment. No one embraced this counterintuitive aspect of expectations more than Jesus. And this is a passage we look at 
every year from Matthew 16. And while we're considering relational and emotional health, I wanted to bring it into the conversation. While Jesus walked the earth, he encountered this expectation of the Messiah. The coming king would reign in a way that led to immediate material and physical gain for himself and all his followers. The reign of the Messiah would involve total peace and prosperity. And Jesus both embraces and tweaks this. Yes, he will bring peace and prosperity, but not in the way or the time people expect. His peace is not of this world, and his prosperity is not measured in bank accounts. Instead, Jesus offers a counterintuitive expectation for the flourishing path, and this is it. Don't run from sacrifice. Pursue sacrifice, and meaning will come on the other side. Our gospel reading this morning is Matthew 16, verses 21 through 28. Matthew 16, verses 21 through 28. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is God's word. Life, true life is found by taking up the cross. The challenge of the cross involves self-denial and self-sacrifice. It's really hard at times. And that's not the idea of life that many of us have. Yet, Jesus says it leads to life. Do we trust Jesus? Peter struggled to. In fact, in this passage, Peter wants to correct Jesus. Stop this talk of challenging crosses. Peter wants Jesus to conform to his expectations. Instead, Jesus conforms Peter to his expectations. If we have any doubt about that, Jesus quells it by referring to Peter as Satan. Peter's expectation of zero sacrifice and quick fixes shows up in Satan's temptation of Jesus back in Matthew 4. Turn the stones to bread. Bow down to me and get it all now. Jump off the temple. Make a show. Peter and Satan like these expectations. Jesus shows us something better, though. Pursue the path of self-sacrifice and quit trying to gain the whole world. Give up the world's definition of the good life. Life does not come from seeking it, but by letting it go. Giving up our desired life ironically leads to a life of meaning. Consider your expectations. I think of mine. And ask a hard question. 
Will I allow Jesus to shape my expectations? Life in the kingdom is challenging but meaningful, and this should be our expectation. Life will have challenges, but because of Jesus, life will have meaning. You will have challenges, and you will have meaning. And this contrasts with two life philosophies which continue to show up. In ancient times, a group known as the Epicureans placed the meaning of life in the pursuit of pleasure. To them, life is about pleasure. Maximize comfort. Minimize discomfort. And it's an ancient philosophy, but it still shows up today. Imagine how they would have loved air conditioning and bug repellent. Many Christians today fall for this pursuit of pleasure. And let me be clear. I'm suggesting we I'm not suggesting we pursue hardship and suffering and I'm not suggesting you can't enjoy a cup of coffee or a hot shower. The emphasis lies in where you find your meaning. We can't find our meaning in pleasure. Jesus places meaning in sacrifice, not pleasure, where the Epicureans put it. We see another life philosophy at work as well. For a variety of reasons, life in this world is hard. Because of poverty, sickness, various forms of alienation, many face huge challenges, and these hardships and sufferings can cloud our search for meaning. And some respond by suggesting life has no meaning. We normally think of this life philosophy as nihilism. It's an extreme form of skepticism which questions if life has meaning. In many ways, we continue to see these two philosophies at work today. Many see the purpose of life as pleasure, like the Epicureans. Others, when pleasure seems elusive or unfulfilling, conclude that life has no meaning, nihilus. We should see how the Christian faith distinguishes itself from these views. Life will be challenging, but life has meaning. In fact, the meaning often comes on the other side of the challenge of self-sacrifice. In Christ, This should be our expectation. Life is hard, but God is with us. Life is challenging, yet life has meaning. When you have the wrong expectations, things can go awry. And I spent some time processing this about five, maybe six years ago. I went through a season of frustration with my family of origin. I expected more from them specifically frequency and level of connection. I had a vision of what our relationship should be, and when my expectations weren't met, I grew really sad, borderline angry. And one day on the phone, my mother suggested another approach. Expect less. Lower your expectations. And at first, this frustrated me. It felt like an uncomfortable compromise. You know, I wanted to keep pushing myself and my family to meet my vision of what family could be, but my expectations were stifling. Others, but also hurting myself. My mom was right. I went through a season of sacrificing my expectations. It was hard, but a funny thing happening. Lowering expectations led to an increase of joy with my family. The wrong expectations hurt me, and when I gave them up, Life satisfaction increased. And here's a story I heard from a friend in counseling. Similar thing. A family was concerned about their teenage son. He'd been sitting in his room listening to music for two weeks. He'd barely come out of his room. He wasn't talking much. And he hadn't touched his normal hobbies much at all. 
So they marched him to a counselor and suggested that he should be medicated. After the parents left, the counselor simply asked the teenage boy, So what's going on? He replied, Well, my girlfriend broke up with me. How long had you been dating? Mm, just over a year. How you doing with all that? Uh, I'm really sad. It hurts. And the counselor just looked at him and said, Man, I'm sorry about that. Being sad sounds right. And after the session, the counselor told the parents, I'm happy to keep seeing him. But his response to his situation seems normal. And then he listed a range of behaviors which would be concerning and problematic. But listening to sad music in your room after a breakup, mm, that's about right. That's about the right expectation. Now, to be clear, I'm a huge fan of counseling. And I believe prescribed medications taken correctly and wisely can be helpful. Still, I tell this story to show the power of expectations. When you go through a hard time, you should expect to be sad. So quickly, I want to mention some specific expectations. In life, we should expect the following. You should expect bad people, I'm sorry, you should expect people to do bad things. We're all sinners. On the other hand, you should expect even people that seem really bad to you to have some good in them. We're all image bearers. Expect humans to be a mixed bag of good and evil, sinner and saint. You should expect ups and downs, good days and bad days. You should expect to have some deep pain at some point in your life just as you should expect to have some deep joy. You're going to have some wins and losses, some successes and failures. Kids, you're going to make some bad grades, but you'll also make some good grades. You'll find jobs and lose jobs. You'll date people and you'll get dumped. All that's going to happen. You should expect relationships to be challenging because people are challenging. Expect marriage to be hard but it's totally worth it. Expect parenting to be hard, but it's completely worth it. Um, expect the pursuit of education and a career to be really hard, but it's worth it. Expect taking care of aging parents to be hard, but it's worth it. Expect growing up to be hard, but it's worth it. You'll get there. Expect family to be hard, but family's worth it. Expect church to be hard. <laughs> I know some of you, you already have these expectations, right? Expect church to be hard, but friends, it's worth it. Expect the pursuit of a just society to be hard, but it's worth it. Expect life to have meaning, but expect for that meaning to seem really cloudy at times. You will likely not find meaning in everything you do. I find incredible meaning in my life. But when I'm cleaning toilets or unloading the dishwasher at the house, I don't expect to have a transcendent sensation of meaning. <laughs> it's a chore, and we all have to do chores. I want to add something that comes from Sissy Goss' book that I've been referring to, her book, Raising Worry-Free Girls. She shows us how opportunity can become expectation. 
we can have lots of opportunities, and those opportunities can solidify into impossible expectations. We see this in men, but personally, I see this even more in women, and Golf writes to this in her book. Thankfully, opportunities for women have grown in recent decades, but that can put a lot of pressure on a person. Know this, whether female or male, you can't do it all. You just can't. And your expectations should reflect that you can't do it all. You can't have a perfectly clean house straight out of Pottery Barn, always respectful and obedient children, a thriving, growing career that's the envy of everyone, a marriage with all sparks and no lulls, countless family moments perfect for Instagram, plenty of social time for family and friends, a significant volunteer niche in the community, and time to piddle in your backyard garden. Maybe you'll get all of that at different times, but you can't have all that at once. You just can't. And if your expectations are unrealistic, consider lowering them. And I'll close with this. We should expect society to have a global health challenge from time to time. History has taught us this. So the pandemic is sad and the pandemic is tragic. But if we look at the big lens of history and if we theologically process what it means to live in a fallen world, a global pandemic should not be outside the realm of our expectations. It doesn't mean we're okay with it. It doesn't mean we don't fight against it. It just, that should fall within expectations. Sickness, this side of heaven, will happen. We should expect to battle sickness, ultimately old age, and eventually, if Jesus doesn't return while we're alive, we're going to die. We don't like it, but it's true. But we should expect to have meaning in the face of life's challenges. We should expect to have meaning through self-sacrifice and self-denial along the way, and we should expect this, and this is the basis of our joy. We should expect to come back to life Because that's what Jesus did. And Jesus promised us that if we believe in him and trust in him, he would do for us what he did for himself, to beat and conquer death. We should expect that. And specifically in this season, we should cling to that expectation, for it transforms everything else. I expect to have a challenging life. But I also expect a meaningful life. And when it's over... I expect to live forever. This is what Jesus has taught us to expect. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. These are the words of Jesus. And let us allow Jesus to shape our expectations. Please take a moment to uh, to worship God and to prepare your hearts and minds uh, for communion. In just a minute, Lake is going to read from Romans 8. And in that section that he's going to read from, Paul talks about and, and writes that we have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And in this section, he continually refers to us as 
God's children and heirs of God, heirs with Christ, sons of God, children of God, and how we have been adopted into the family of God. And I really, I really like that notion and just thinking about that even though we can't be together in the same room um, taking this meal as a family, we are still family. And um, I just want to continue to think about that as we, as we take communion, um, that as we uh, take Christ's body and his blood into ourselves in that same, same way or a, or a very similar way, Christ has and God has chosen to take us into his family. And it, it just blows my mind how the creator of the universe wants to adopt us, the, the sinful creatures that we are. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your son and for loving us, uh, loving your lowly creations enough to to want to adopt us into your family and call you your your daughters and your sons and your children and to make us heirs with Christ. God, I pray that you will um, calm us and just give us hope and assurance and return soon, Father. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. Today I'll be reading from Romans 8, verses 12 through 25. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if we indeed suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation that was subjected to fulfillity, not willing but because of him who are subject to it in hope, but because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains, and together until now. Not only that we who also have the fist fruits of the Spirit, even with our ourselves, groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of the body. For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Dear Lord, we're not perfect. And we're often reminded that neither us nor this world is perfect through many different means. Lord, 
We patiently await the day when your son Jesus returns to earth to claim us as his own. And Lord, we pray that uh, we become more like you. Dear Lord, once again, we thank you for this fellowship, whether it be in person or at a distance. And Lord, we pray that one day you help us to be more like you. And it's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning, Acklin. Hope everyone is having a good Sunday so far. Not too many announcements today, but we have several birthdays uh, that we'll get to. Happy birthday today to my brother-in-law, Brian Beatty, as well as Rebecca Beard, no relation. On Monday, John and Sheila Deloney will celebrate 18 years of marriage. Congratulations to you guys. Also on Monday, Fran Crouch and Sabrina Sullenberger have birthdays. Happy birthday to you. And Saturday the 25th is Remy Allison's 17th birthday. That is hard to believe. Happy birthday, Remy. Uh, the only announcement we have, we want to keep uh, Anna's family in, our, in your prayers. Uh, she lost an uncle um, earlier this week. Uh, he had COVID-19. Uh, unfortunately, um, she has two other aunts, an uncle and a cousin who all have uh, COVID-19. Um, they seem to be in pretty stable condition right now, but we want to pray for them and, and pray for Anna and her father uh, just in the loss of, of her uncle. No other announcements that I'm aware of, but remember that we've got coffee and donuts coming up at 11 o'clock. Hope to see you there. You all have a great week. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, a podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash org. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.